You were listening to episode 139 of the Game Deflators Podcast. My name's John, and I'm joined by Ryan. Hey, everybody here at the Game Deflators Podcast. We like to talk about games we've recently picked up, games we're currently playing, and I'm calling you out in this week's Inflation Deflation Challenge. <laughs> that was pretty good. <laughs> I was not expecting the voice change on that one. This week we're playing Gun Dot Smoke on VNES. Uh, yeah, dude, that's a game I played years and years ago before, uh, well, before we started doing this, actually before I moved to Arizona, and I liked it back then, and I liked it even more now. It was a good day for gaming. It was. Uh, so this week we got quite a bit. We're going to have uh, some discussions on the Nintendo Switch OLED, or OLED. And uh, pretty much a comparison to that of the original and just full-blown discussion on that. Uh, a Microsoft employee that stole like $10 million worth of gift cards in Bitcoin for the most part. Uh, so talk about that. And uh, Sony just had their July state of play. So a little discussion on that as well. And of course, we always start out with our currently playing and current pickups. So I'll go ahead and uh, I'll tell you what I picked up. So this week I got Fishing Master World Tour on the Wii, because why not? It was $10, and Fishing Master World, or Fishing Master, was like 6 so why not upgrading a World Tour for $4 more? That worked out. There you go. Uh, so that was complete in box, and it was just, I think it's a Natsune game, I think, so it's just one of those things that whenever I see their games, I, I pick them up typically if they're cheap. Uh, the other one I got was From Russia with Love on the GameCube, so... Uh, back in the day when I used to work in a video game store and comic book store and all that, uh, I think I brought this up before, my old manager would let me keep a lot of the different cases and such. So I had a From Russia With Love Complete in Box case for the most part without a game. So I picked that up for like, I don't know, 15 bucks, went ahead and tossed it in. So a loose game, put it in there, and now it's complete. Uh, and the other thing I got was Gadget Racers on the PlayStation 2. Similar situation. I had a com you know full box, manual, all that good stuff, but no game. Went ahead and popped that in. Now I've got a complete in-box version. Uh, so that was good. And uh, what else did I pick up? Um, I think I... Oh, I got... Uh, it'll be coming in at some point, but I got Moss on the PlayStation 4. Uh, we'll talk about that in State of Play because of Moss 2 coming out. Uh, but yeah, I saw Moss. It was like 70 bucks, which is the lowest I've seen it in quite some time. Oh, wow. And in fact, it was $60. And the person, for like literally, I clicked on it. And right when I clicked on it, it switched to $69.99. I'm like, damn it. So still cheaper. There's a lot of versions on eBay sitting at like 90 bucks, $85 and such. So this was the lowest cost version that was on there. Uh, their feedback was like 97%, so that's kind of like, eh, not sure. Uh, but I think it's worth it. Um, at least the risk, that is. And as far as what I am currently playing, uh, I jumped back into Apex Legends this past week. Uh, How's that new character? Uh, I haven't played her yet. Mm -hmm. Valkyrie from, I guess it's uh, Titanfall. I guess it takes so much grinding to get points to unlock a character. You're probably not just sitting on a free character no, right now. No, I'm not. Like, And the thing is, is that the season, because it's been so long since I played, the season itself um, you know, is like 30 days left. So I haven't played a whole ton of it. Did you um, get hit by the free uh, Titanfall playlist bug? Uh-uh. No. Had you heard of that? No, I hadn't. Oh, let me just interject that real quick because I just heard. Uh, check out Layman Gaming on YouTube. They keep me informed all all week long. Uh, so, 
Apparently, the developers of Apex and Titanfall, they've been kind of not throwing too much attention at the Titanfall series since Apex has been coming out because that's their current game and their moneymaker. But apparently, there's situations that are so bad that you can't do matchmaking in Titanfall 1 or 2 anymore. It's basically almost impossible to get like a good game going because like the servers are so rampant with like these awful bots and like these other things that people are doing to like deliberately kind of ruin the play of the game and especially the matchmaking. So there's been a lot of people for a long time trying to tell them, Hey, you guys need to fix this. Hey, you guys need to fix this. And they haven't done anything because they're putting all their time and attention into apex. So they turned around and hacked Apex to ruin the matchmaking there and put hashtag free Titanfall or fix Titanfall or something like that to try to hold this game ransom to force the devs to fix the old issues with the old games. So apparently that was a thing affecting a bunch of people for a while because it's like it sucks for regular people to try to get on and like, you know, they just want to play a game at the end of the day. And then it's all messed up, so that sucks. But I, it's an interesting story. I was I was wondering. I was going to ask you if you'd played or if you'd seen that anywhere. Uh, no, I haven't experienced anything crazy. I mean, I've had a few situations where, uh, you know, I've had say like I've jumped into a match and it's just been me, like on multiple occasions. I don't know if that's part of that bug or not, uh, but that's kind of been my experience on, on multiple occasions where it's just been me jumping down. Um, or really launching into the game, and that kind of sucks. Now, it's cool because now you have the ability to just kind of quit on the main screen when you're dropping from dropship. So even before you go, it's like, oh, it's only me? Quit. Like, that's it. So that's kind of nice now uh, to have that ability. Um, but yeah, so I played a little bit. I, I think the most I had was maybe four or five kills in one of my rounds. I actually won like four different matches in the last couple weeks, uh, but I haven't been playing a whole ton. And that's primarily because I was playing some Biomutant, uh, but the other main reason is I was watching a lot of Cobra Kai on uh, Netflix. So I actually finished season one through three <laughs> this past week. And that was uh, it's a phenomenal show. Really, I haven't like, checked that out. Really, dude, if you like Karate Kid, Cobra Kai is like right up the alley, dude. Uh, so yeah, we were doing that. And then uh, my wife and I gave up on Dragon's Crown on PlayStation 3. I just can't get into it, man. Like we played, we put in a lot of hours into that game. And it's just one of those things that... It's it's a dungeon crawler, but at the same time, it's just not very fun. Like it's a very minimal story. The art is great. I definitely love that component. I definitely love like the overall gameplay, but there's not a whole lot going for the story, and it's just the same thing. Like every time you go into a dungeon, the same exact process. I was playing it on Vita a while ago, and I kind of didn't last very long with it. I was like, it looks cool. But it's kind of just whatever. Yeah, it's just not... Like, I don't even know why they remastered it. It's just not that fantastic. So, yeah, we kind of gave up on that, and we decided to boot up Ori and the Blind Forest. So we started playing that last night, got through uh, several areas, and, dude, we're loving that game. Artistically, that game is great. Uh, Just the visuals of it, the battle system that's tied to it, the leveling system, uh, the overall musical score that's behind that game as well. The story that we've experienced so far is just like this gut-wrenching start to the story, and then it just kind of puts you into this this world as a Ori. And, dude, it's great. Like, I absolutely love it. I'm so happy it came to the Switch because this is a game that I likely would have missed out on if I 
you know, because I don't have a GPU for my computer that's, that's good yet, so I can start playing some of those higher-end games. And, uh, yeah, I feel like I would have missed that one if it didn't come to Switch. So, super stoked about it. Love Blind Forest so far, and cannot wait to get to, uh, what is it, Will of the Wisps, I think. I'm excited so. for this to be uh, Angela's intro to, like, Metroidvania in general, because I think that, like, she'd really dig games like Castlevania, Symphony of the Night, and probably, like, some uh, Metroid yeah, I don't know if she's going to like uh, Castlevania, per se, or like Metroid, but I think the games that are like this, where it's uh, just that very colorful type of world that's a mix of the you know best of both worlds, hence the Metroidvania component of it, uh, I think she's really going to dig that in general. Um, you know, one of the games that she and I talked about playing was Hollow Knight, doing that one together, uh, but I think this will be a really good intro, for sure, like yeah. you saying. Yeah. Uh, did you have any pickups? Yeah. So I bought a bunch of non-game stuff. <laughs> okay. So uh, I redid my like nerd room upstairs, and I got a new shelf, the kind of shelves John has. What kind of shelves are they? Uh, it's like Atlantic Oscar media shelves, I think. I don't know if you got the same size that I did, but yeah. I get the, uh, it's like 720 DVD shelf, and it's like three tiers. So I don't have that many games or anything remotely, but I do have a lot of figures that were crammed onto tiny shelves, so now I've been able to spread everything out more. I got some more uh, Gunpla to build and put on some of those shelves. Um, there's just not really any games out right now that I want to buy, like... I was thinking about uh, Mario Golf, uh, what is it, Super Rush? Yeah. But the reviews on that were kind of middling, and I think that they'll probably make more content down the road, and I just don't feel like paying full price for something that I'll probably play a couple times and then just sit on. Mm -hmm. So maybe I'll get that later on down the road, but I have a friend who recently got back into painting for 40K uh, Warhammer stuff, and him and I have always kind of been more into the painting than the actual playing of the tabletop. So I went out and got a bunch of paints and uh, a unit of Grey Knights because I've always wanted to paint some Grey Knights. So I got a Strike Squadron and I'm going through and I'm going to start painting those. And then I was like, you know, maybe from here I could branch off into like maybe doing some painting of miniatures. You're only showing me your minis that you're painting for D&D now. So just trying to get back into that hobby a little bit. So that's been fun. You know what you should do is paint D&D miniatures and then sell them to me. See, that's kind of what I was thinking. I was like, I like the painting aspect. I could like maybe try to get better at doing that and then doing like just some like selling some painted models or trying to get into like do a commission painting or something. That could be like a fun side gig to work towards. The only thing to consider with that, and I was talking to my brother about this because he does a lot of 4K miniature painting and such as well for different people. And I don't think he charges anybody for his just because he, he likes to do it. But you got to consider speed on that, right? So, like, how long is it going to take you to paint that one figure and what can you sell it for? Because you have to consider the cost of the actual miniature, for one thing, and then the actual aspect of how much time does it take me to paint it to then sell it. So, what's yeah, your time Yeah, I went to art worth? school, John. Yeah. Well, I, I, yeah, I get you. <laughs> but, like what's your time worth in that respect and what people are willing to pay. And what I've seen with D and D miniatures, something like what I showed you earlier, which don't say it cause obviously, you know, yeah. wife listens to a podcast and whatnot. But, um, that particular miniature, that bigger one that I painted, uh, I mean, I've seen that go for like 60 bucks or so fully painted. But if you consider it, that took me about three days of me having like not a crazy, a lot, crazy bunch of art experience, maybe six to seven hours total of paint work. 
and the miniature itself starts at like $35, $40. So I would have to theoretically, if I was a crazy good painter, try and get that done within like an hour to make it worth it from a financial aspect. I mean, the thing is, though, like, if you like the painting as a side gig, like, I mean, it's tough out there with commissioning artwork and stuff and knowing the value and not selling yourself for less. But I'm sure that a lot of people that do like mini painting and stuff like, you know, that's what they want to spend their time doing anyways. So if they're going to make some money on the side, sometimes it's... Yeah, especially if you enjoy it. depends on how detailed you get, and you're always going to get better faster the more you do it. Yeah, and I was even thinking like the little miniatures, like if you got some kobolds or some kenkus or anything along those lines, which I had painted a kenku. The kenku took me maybe an hour to paint. The two tabaxi I painted took me maybe a couple hours to paint total. So, I mean, there is a, you know, at a point in time where like the little ones you can kind of flip for, you know... 10, 12 bucks, whatever it may be, uh, for a smaller version. People are willing to pay for that just because yeah. of, yeah. I mean, it sucks. If you want to spend several hours doing that, that's more time for me to prep D&D than having to paint figures. Mm-hmm. So hence why I like to buy the boxes. Yeah, so I got that. I've been working on that a little bit. Um, I did get, my parents were cleaning out their house and they had an old, uh, one of those red Wii's. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, like the third generation version. Yeah, the one that like came with Mario or whatever. So I got that now. So that's cool. And Wait, then, like the red Wii, like regular system, or the red one as in like the red and black mini version? No, it's like a like a regular Wii, but it's red. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And then um, I think I'm going to follow your advice and probably pull the trigger and get one of those Mario Game & Watches soon so that I can get one you know while it's still at least just at regular retail yeah the walmart down the road for me has them still last i checked so i'll probably grab one of those um you know i got some stuff that i want to get later this month like the play dates coming out soon we've already talked i think last time i think now we've both got like at least one box on reserve for the D magic set that's gonna drop mm-hmm. so stuff coming up in the future um we'll have to crack open our packs together yeah like, just kind of see, like, what we both come out with. You know, that'd be mm. pretty cool. Well, and I, I don't know, like, I was probably going to use mine to, like, do some drafts with some friends. Uh, so I don't okay. know yeah. that I'm just going to crack them all right off okay. the bat. Yeah, I'm going to crack mine open. So you're welcome to come over when I crack Maybe them I'll open. take, like, half of them. No, you have to have, the, well, no, you don't have to have the full deck. That's right, or full box. So Usually it's, like, three or four. And it's, like, I think it's four packs per person to draft. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, been doing some painting, been doing some waiting for stuff that i bought um this week uh sgdq was going on i've never really watched any of that stuff but after getting into uh check out summoning salt on youtube uh he makes great videos about the history of speed runs and stuff and i heard his name dropped a bunch uh by some of the na- uh narrators and stuff and i think he's gotten the word out pretty good because i mean that's definitely while i was watching um, so I'm sure it brought some more people in to watch besides just me, but it was fun. Uh, I saw like some speed run of like some Metroid prime. I saw some, what else did I see? Golden sun, um, halo, uh, a whole bunch of different stuff. And it was, it was cool. It was cool seeing all these different speedrunners that have put all this time in and 
all of them talking about like how different advances have been made through the community. Everybody seems so supportive. They made like, I think they raised like over $2 million or something for Doctors Without Borders. So that's a great cause. Uh, shout out to them. I'm definitely going to be paying more attention to that stuff in the future. Well, uh, definitely a lot going on for you, man. Uh, the only thing I didn't notice this week was uh, Mario Odyssey or Persona. Dude, I really feel like I'm going to start playing a video game any day now. It could happen. Well, uh, hopefully it happens soon, man, because you're uh, encouraging into month seven. And uh, I still got to get you on that Blue's Clues, man. Still got to get you on it. So we'll have some before and after photos of Ryan's Maybe expressions. Maybe I'll just give up on video games forever. <laughs> Well, I'll just still show up to the podcast. Still show up to the podcast, play a game here and there. Yeah, I think you can beat Odyssey. Odyssey's a quick beat, like for sure. Yeah, I just need to. I just need to do it. Yeah, I don't know what's holding me back. I don't know. I'm kind of giving up on you at Persona. So I'm thinking, <laughs> if you don't beat Persona, you just got a an hour of Blues Clues, an hour of Spice Girls, oh, the dancing game, and I like I, dancing games. Well, except uh, it's with the control, so it's. Oh. Uh, so yeah, it's fake dancing. It's a fake dancing game. It's like the old Bust a Groove uh, games where you don't have the pad, you just got the control and you're hitting the buttons, which is still fun. I, I like those on mobile. Yeah, those are fun. So like just doing the control is good. I mean, Bust a Groove is a great game. In fact, I think we still have a copy out uh, back home, but my brother, I think, still might have it. I don't know. I don't know. I got to look. Uh, okay. So before we start, of course, find us on all of those lovely podcast applications out there, including the one you're listening to, uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, Podcast Addict, Overcast, CastBox, Podcast Guru. I've got a new idea for people, too. What's that? If you like the way this episode sounded on your podcast platform of choice, go listen to it again on another one just to make sure you're getting the best quality on your (laughs) platform. You know, do your consumer, you know due diligence to make sure you're getting the best experience and leave us a rating on both ones and in the comment tell us which one it sounded better on <laughs> you can skew the listenership uh that being said podcast guru uh whoever's catching us in australia thank you uh i mean yeah whoever it is they're just like whole back catalog you know who you are yeah you know who you if are If you've listened this far into the podcast we're talking about you yeah so feel free at this point to comment on one of our social media channels uh facebook or instagram at the game deflators and twitter at game deflators uh and uh, at some point we'll get the website up and well we got it up and running but we gotta update all the gaming stuff on there but uh, there's the a website yeah the game <laughs> we'll yeah, so we got the gameslaters.com on that. And uh, you can also find us, what's the other one? Uh, YouTube, which I really need to update. You just, up, you just uploaded a video. No, my wife did. Uh, oh, the Apex one I did upload. Yeah. Uh, so I was in a match uh, the other day, and it was the most hilarious thing. So we got all the way to the end. Uh, it was just three teams, right? And I knock out one guy, and things are going great. This other guy that was with us, he runs off like an idiot. Uh, and he was playing well, but he runs off and gets killed and the ring is starting to come in and we're talking like final ring for the most part and there's a rampart over there as well and he's like come on you could save me and i'm like i'm not going over there to try and save you like it's just me i had like two shields on at the time and the ring is coming in and you've got a rampart on your ass and you want me to come and like grab you like he wanted me to straight up try and revive him on the spot i'm like that's not happening there's not enough time so he dies death box goes up and there's no other places to get his death box back um so that wasn't going to happen. So me and the other guy are going through and whoever like the rampart takes out the other squad. So I was like, holy crap, like this is insane. Like this guy's good. Whoever we're playing against or woman. 
And so I run forward to try and see if I can like flank the, um, the rampart and they end up getting me. But our other guy was there shooting as well. Turns out the rampart's the only one left. And then it was only my guy left. And of course my death box down there. So I'm watching and he throws all of his stuff down. Like you see in the videos for like the boxing where the two players that are left, they'll throw down all their stuff and they'll do the boxing match. So he's doing that. He throws down all of his stuff and he's jumping around the ramparts trying to kill him and then realizes, oh, he's not shooting back. So the rampart gives him a red shield, uh, picks up another red shield. They both charge. And then the rampart keeps shooting him and he has no weapons because he literally ran out of bullets. Uh, so there's nothing left for him. And he's just jumping around. And at some point, the rampart's like, all right, let's do this. Drops all the stuff. The guy on my team picks up the gun and shoots the rampart. I was like, oh my God, dude. Hilarious. So we ended up winning the match. And I'm sure that guy who was playing Rampart was pissed. And his teammates were probably equally as pissed uh, over the whole situation. Like, just take the win. Like, I get it. You want to do the boxing thing, but just take the flipping win. Yeah. Like, there's if you have the opportunity to do it, just do it. And so it was funny that, you know, this guy did that. Um, but, yeah, that being said, that's on YouTube. That was pretty funny. And, uh, well, at some point I got to upload prior podcast videos. Uh, it looks like Podbean has the ability for me to download the episode video and then just upload it to YouTube. It's just that each of them takes like 30, 40 minutes to upload to the yeah. internet, despite having fast internet. That's that's just how YouTube is. Yeah, so it's just a pain in the ass to go through that and have to put in all the, you know, all the different things. If you would like to listen on YouTube, let us know. Uh, yeah, I guess. I mean... Make it worth the while. We don't do a whole lot on there. Uh, occasionally post videos of games that we're playing. Uh, but that all being said, this week we got some great articles. We're talking, of course, about the Nintendo Switch, Microsoft, and State of Play. Uh, so let's kick it off with the Nintendo Switch uh, OLED hands-on uh, review by IGN, and it's going to be Tom Marks. And uh, we're going to compare it to the original here. So when I saw this release, I was pretty stoked at first, dude, because I was like, holy crap, that looks nice. White frame, bigger screen, like all that looks It's just great. white Joy-Cons. Oh, white Joy-Cons. Yeah, well, yeah, white Joy-Cons. You know what I mean. So the white interface on the edges. So all of that looked pretty phenomenal. I'm like, that looks sweet. Like, I would want that. And then I started reading into what they actually did. I was like, why does this benefit me in the slightest? Like, okay, expanded memory, cool. 64 gigs now instead of the 32. Uh, Ethernet port in the back, I don't care. I use Wi-Fi. Uh, the giant, like the extended screen, doesn't benefit me unless I'm playing handheld mode. Um the overall, uh, I guess what else, the stand that's on there doesn't benefit me, right? Nothing works on that end for me because I'm not playing on a handheld version. So it looked like every single type of update that these guys made, like the battery light, for example, it's been a thing for a while now. Uh, that doesn't benefit me because I don't play handheld mode very often. When I do, I don't care like how fantastic the screen resolution is because it's a little tiny screen anyways. So... And I think it's thinner now. No, it's just a thinner uh, edging. So it's literally like the same size switch. It's just the screen is larger. Yeah, it's just slightly larger, right? It's not that much larger. And of course, it's an OLED, so or OLED. So it's uh, it's a little nicer, right, in terms of overall brightness and everything else is tied to that. The thing that kind of frustrates me about this is, you know, I would have looked into potentially selling my old switch and picking up a new one if there was some sort of other benefit tied to this. For somebody like me, it makes zero sense to pick up one of the new models of the Switch because none of the benefits that are tied to it truly affect me. And you might say, well, you know, hey, it's 64 gigabytes now instead of 32. Okay, I can go pick up for, I think it's like 25 to 30 bucks, I can go get the expansion pack. And even if you say, well, go ahead and sell your old one and pick this one up, okay, well now I'm paying an extra, what, 
hundred something bucks to try and pick up the new version of the Switch, you know, because trade-in and selling a third party is not going to net me the exact amount of, you know, 300 bucks yeah. and then only have the $50 difference plus tax. I mean, you're looking at probably a $200 difference to upgrade if no. you're an existing Switch. Yeah. Think if I only sold my Switch for, say, 250 right, which would be a pretty good price for that Switch. I'm sure I could sell for more. But say I get 250 out of it. That's a $100 difference plus a tax. So realistically, you're looking at... $50 in tax? Uh, we'll say 125 bucks. Okay. We'll just go with that. So 125 bucks for me to upgrade. Okay. Is it truly worth it for the extra memory when I can not just pay? Not for you. Yeah, not for me, right? So new new players, new Switch owners, yeah, this is fantastic. Like This is probably the best thing that could have happened to it. But at the end of the day, Nintendo misses the mark here. And I think what it really is is that they know their customers too well. So Nintendo knows that no matter what, there's going to be people out that, there that are going to buy this thing anyways, even if they own a Switch. John. What? I want it. I know you want it. See, want he's it. one of the people I'm talking about. So Nintendo knows that people like Ryan it's are going shiny. to buy this console because it's shiny and white and shiny. has like the new screen and whatnot. So they don't care to make like all of these crazy updates. Like they, they have definitely heard people say, and they've heard the market clamoring for, you know, higher resolution on dock, fix the Joy-Con drift. Um, you know, looking at, of course, the Ethernet port on the back, which I think is very minimal because they have the adapter. Like, there are various things that the market has said we would like to see. And Nintendo's like, here's a new stand. Here's an Ethernet port that you don't need. Here's 32 gigs of extra, like, internal storage where you could have just bought an extra SanDisk to put in there or whatever you want to call it. Uh, like, the screen, yeah, the screen people have been wanting for a while. But these are very minimal efforts on Nintendo's part to create like this console like we were the market was anticipating something better than what was delivered and you have your fanboys they'll say well nintendo never promised it yeah they don't have to promise anything the market is dictating what they want to see nintendo needs to listen to its customer base and what it tells me is that nintendo doesn't give a damn about its customer base it just wants to keep throwing out the same stuff and just fully focused on profit which i get you're a company you want to be fully focused on profit but at some point you kind of have to you know assist your customer base here and give them something that they want. I personally, I would have sold my old switch if there was an upgrade to the overall like output of graphics on like if there was a switch pro, like a definite switch pro with some sort of like 4k capability. I totally would have sold my old switch and gone ahead and bought the new one. hundred percent end of the day. I would have, if it was 400 bucks, I would have been willing to upgrade, you know, and get rid of the old one. I but think... you know, they just know their customers too well. They know they're going to pay regardless and they don't care. Yeah, I think the day is coming. There will be a Switch Pro at some point. It has been ordained. It will happen. It didn't happen now. Um, hey, if we talk about this six months from now, it'll happen. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm with you. I understand everything you're saying, but I still want one. Uh, I don't want this one. I think this is a perfect excuse. This is a better excuse than like when I wanted to get the Let's Go Switch. I didn't. Because it was sold out everywhere. But uh, that would have been a dumb upgrade. Uh, purely just for the collector like skin, you know, the limited skin on it. Uh, I think that now that there is going to be a significant change, it makes more sense. And I'll totally get like some collector bundle, special edition, new Switch OLED version. And I think that that'll be totally worth it. And... I'm all about that. I think the other thing is that you didn't address is that 
there's a huge market out there for multiple switch ownership. Like they really want to push the idea that, you know, there's a switch for everyone. And I mean, eventually this one will probably push out the OG switch and we'll stop seeing that one available in like a year or two. If that, if that, I don't know exactly what the timeline on that kind of stuff is, but like, you know, this is a good reason, maybe not for you to sell your switch and get a new one, but this is a good reason for, yeah, okay, I guess your brother should get his own switch and they just came out with this new one, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, I get it. And like, I'm, if, if there's a way for me to sell, say my old switch at 350 locally or even 300 and then come through and get the new one. I'd be willing to purchase a new one purely because new Joy-Cons, right? So I don't have to worry about... I haven't had Joy-Con drift yet, so I don't have to worry about that. But I wouldn't mind picking up the new one so long as I was able to sell my old one at market value, which is possible given the shortage of a lot of these consoles right now. But at the same time, I'm not confident that would happen. And it's not something I really need, right? I don't need to go out and buy the new... Uh, OLED version of the Switch because it's just not necessary for me. If I need to upgrade my storage, I'll buy an extra, you know, memory chip to put. Do you in there. think that eventually they upgrade um, OLED to the Switch Lite? I mean, because the whole idea of the Switch Lite is that it's the cheap version. Yeah, and I don't think they're going to do anything with but that. But then they get to order just one screen. Instead of having two different screens, one for the Switch OLED and one for the Switch Lite. I think they'll probably keep the Switch Lite as is. I don't see them transitioning that because it is their lower, like, you know, entry level type of version. But it's purely portable and the OLED yeah. is for the purely portable upgrade. And I feel like, yeah, I get it, but I feel like the Switch Lite is specific. Like, there's a customer base that's specific to that, right? Um, I guess which if is you why watch it, the OLED, you'll just get the OLED. Which is why it doesn't make sense that they would upgrade the docked version with the, the screen and everything. Because if you have the portable exclusive version, like, it's your point. Yeah, they should have upgraded the other one, too, to Switch Lite. And, you know, maybe not mess with the memory, just update the screen and then phase out uh, the Switch Lite. But why would you update only the docked version? That customer base, I think, is primarily kids, is what I would say. Like families that are buying a Switch Lite for multiple kids, it's a cheaper option. Each kid gets a Switch. Like mm -hmm. totally see where that is that market. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know if they'll update the, the Switch Lite anytime soon. Uh, I don't see a purpose to do that. And honestly, I don't think we're going to see a Switch Pro, uh, even though we can talk about this like every single few months uh, moving forward and it'll happen eventually. I, I don't think it's going to. Uh, personally, uh, why would they? We're in what year four, year five, right? For this console, for the Switch, uh, I don't remember when it was released. Seventeen. Seventeen. So yeah, we're in year four right now. There's no reason for them to make a Switch Pro anytime soon. They just put this on the market. If it'd be stupid of them to do anything else right now, just because it's going to cause confusion. You know, why release the the OLED version of the Switch and then? six months later, a year from now, release a new update version. I guess two years from now. Maybe two years. Like, every two years sounds about right for this. Especially if this is their console moving forward. If Nintendo's decided, hey, this is performing so well, we we're not We want 10 gonna... years of Switch. Yeah. And which is possible, right? If you upgrade it and put it's in some backwards... It's what they never did to the Wii to keep the Wii going. Yeah, you put in backwards compatibility on this thing and have some sort of, like, 
Switch Pro or Switch 2 down the road or Switch Wii U, whatever you want to call it. Switch U. Uh, Man, I bet Nintendo can't wait to have a next generation and charge $70 a game. Oh, yeah. They never drop in price. They're itching for it, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and they're like, we can do this? Okay. Uh, no, they'll just continue upgrading their consoles with a kickstand. Did you see the, uh, the meme I posted on Facebook with Smithers? So it's the, uh, the Simpsons episode with uh, Malibu Stacy where uh, Malibu Stacy's become like too sexual oriented or something. And so Lisa decides to go out and make her own uh, Malibu Stacy type of doll, which is supposed to be like this, you know, uh, library, like literate type of uh, character. And Mm -hmm. uh, it's supposed to be like a a Barbie doll or Malibu Stacy for everyone. Right. And so uh, she puts it out and the original Malibu Stacy creators like, no, we can't have this. Like we need to like destroy them or get rid of them, whatever it may be. And so, when the Mal- they bring out like a new Malibu Stacy basically upon uh, release of Lisa's doll, and she's like, "Look, it, it just has like you know this one feature," and then they're like, "Look, it has that one feature." So to me, my pose, it's like Nintendo basically saying, "Look, oh. we've released a new Switch," and uh, Lisa's like, "It's just the same Switch. The only thing is it has a new kickstand." Yeah. Smithers like, "It has a new kickstand," and all the girls are yeah. going crazy. Go grab it. So yeah, it's. Uh, that's pretty much what it is, dude. There's a long explanation of it a is, meme, but I understand exactly what you're talking about, and and I appreciate that, it. That is the but first that time is a that I've gone through. New kickstand. Yeah, it is a like, new kickstand. Like it's just like with the surface. Like it's cool. It's got the multiple viewing angles. The one thing that really is dumb, and this makes even more apparent, is just like how much they need to put the charge port in a better place. Because you can't charge it and use the kickstand at the same time, and it's ridiculous. Yeah. Well, that's Nintendo thinking, right? Well, uh, let's go into the next thing uh, about talking about not thinking. Uh, Microsoft engineer stole $10 million by selling Xbox, Xbox, not Xbox, Xbox gift cards for uh, Bitcoin. So here, I'll start this off. Well, and this uh, is Natalie Clayton at uh, PC Gamer. Yeah. So the guy's name is, I'm going to do my best, Volodymyr uh, Kvashik. And he was sentenced to nine years in prison and will be charged a restitution of $8.3 million. Hey, well, it's not bad. I mean, he netted $1.7 million. Oh, man. Like, <laughs> so this guy, this guy did a thing that you're not supposed to do. He embezzled money from Microsoft. And if you don't think that you're going to get caught stealing money, like, I'm sure some people get away with it, but I'm sure more people get caught. Like, I don't know why people are like, Oh my God, I found this crazy exploit. I could be like a secret millionaire. Like, no, dude, you're going to get caught because you're going to do something dumb. And also because the relentless march of technology and bureaucracy and oversight means that there's people that get paid to find people like you. Mm -hmm. And you're not going to be smarter than them. Well, it's crazy. It's like he created like this whole, well, he found an issue within Microsoft's like testing process on the back end. And like my company has a testing process in the back end for like free stuff, but it doesn't actually work and it's only in the sandbox version. So I don't know where the hell this happened. So the way that it works, it explains in the article. So like when you go to order something from like the store and it's like you go through the process to make sure that it everything works, but then it doesn't send you anything. Yeah. But for generating a code for like a gift card, it uses the correct code generation as the real gift card system. So 
obviously it's not going to ship you anything, but you could see the code, write it down and use it. So he was basically, uh, he started off doing that here and there. Then he got real bad and wrote like a script to do it for him so that he could do a bunch of them. He was turning around selling them on like third-party websites to trade for like Bitcoin and stuff at a huge like bulk sale for a discount and just trying to stack money. And I mean, like the... The hardest part about doing any of that is like you're going to have to find a way to like try to wash that money. Like you can't be like having all this extra cash and be working at a company like that. Like if Microsoft didn't catch you, then surely the IRS will at some point. And it's just all kinds of bad. And I mean, I got no sympathy for this guy. Yeah, like you did. You did what you did and you knew it was going to happen one day. Yeah, that's the thing, man. He took all this money and had no way to wash his money. So, uh, yeah, I mean, he, he, of course, went with Bitcoin. Uh, but basically, he used a wallet and all these other things that had, like, tracking capabilities to see, like, who he actually was. So, with all that he did and this, how smart he was to create, like, a script to, like, auto-generate codes and, you know, uh, sell $10 million. Like, $10 million in two gift, years. Yeah, think about how many gift cards you have to take within a two-year period to make $10 million. And we're talking, like, what, 10 to 25 and $50 gift cards? So you're chipping away, like, I'm not going to sit here and, like, do all the math, but you're slowly chipping away, like, at that money. You realize how long it takes to just get, like, $10,000 in doing that? Well, so, that's why he had to make that bot. Yeah, I know. So, like, he got greedy and didn't think of a way to, you know actually launder his money the way that you know criminals launder it so super white collar crime with no sort of uh you know thought process on how do i actually get away with this and got caught and so i think it's a pretty interesting story i found this one the other day and uh yeah i thought it was pretty cool so tell us how you launder money no i'm just kidding (laughs) (laughs) yeah let us know how you would have gotten away with it yeah right let us know on our social media if it weren't for those meddling microsoft kids oh my god dude uh but yeah so that was a a cool story and uh, we've got some another interesting story that i've got set aside from next week's episode so yeah we'll talk about that um but uh last thing here that we got before we start talking about some gun smoke is the State of Play, July 2021. All trailers and a complete recap. This is uh, Brett Elston at, well, the PlayStation blog. So blog that PlayStation. So, man, Sony doesn't go to E3 anymore. And this is what they give us. Man, this is just like, I didn't watch it. But just seeing, like, what's on, you know, this list it's all kind of whatever and all, you know, some stuff that we've seen before already and just uninspired, man. Like what happened to three years ago when you like made the audience get up and walk into a tent so some guy could play guitar and then go to another tent so some guy could play some other instrument. Like you were getting creative with it and now it's just like, eh, here's like a reel of of games that are like, Okay, like there's two or three games on here that I'm interested in, which means there's probably one on here that I'll actually play ever. Yeah, I mean, I I found a few of them to be interesting, not a whole bunch. I would say Moss 2, when I saw that trailer, I'm like, ah, oh, shit, I better pick up Moss 1 right now on PS4 uh, VR just because it's going to go up. If you look at games like Gravity Rush, which actually has gone down, uh, but games like Gravity Rush uh, Remastered went for like crazy amounts of money because you had Gravity Rush 2. 
and uh, because of the limited release. So I think Moss is one of those is probably pretty limited release to begin with. And now that it's on P- it's you know was on PS4 only. I don't see them putting that back out on PS5 outside of digital. Well, how many of these games are even PS5 exclusives? Uh, I think Moss 2 is supposed to be PS5 exclusive, which is good because that lets us know for sure the whole VR component down the road. Um, let's see. I, I don't think Fist was PS5 exclusive. I think Sifu what well, I, I don't mean exclusive. I mean on PS5 only. Like it could be on Xbox. Maybe but that Arc Arcadegeddon? I well, that's on Steam. And Oh, is that on Steam I thought also? You said, oh no, sorry. I thought you said that was on Steam. No, the uh Melee, oh, the, Hunters of Yeah, Arena. yeah. I don't know, but Arcade Geddon, dude, that looks like a poor man's Fortnite. It's just not like that was just so uninspiring. Like it's a cool concept, like you're fighting in this like arcade type of setting. But it just didn't really draw me in. It was like, oh, great. Here's another Battle Royale type of it's not multiplayer. A, well, yeah, it's not a PlayStation I mover. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you don't need a game right now to sell PS5s because they're selling anyways. Well, but like yeah. that game is not pushing anybody to get to the front of that line. Yeah, that doesn't. Fist, definitely, I feel like that would push me to get that. But it's not, it's That's not, not a mover, like a right? full release AAA yeah, title either. Like, exactly. There's nothing on this list that says, hey, this was our groundbreaking E3 alternative that we did. Like, There's not a single title on here that I mean, I'm like, you could argue oh, Horizon, oh, God of War, oh, anything that's like a big deal. You could argue Moss to an extent, just because it is a very good game, um, you know, and that would be a, a pretty good title. Like, but really if push that out was there. like the headline, like the no, main exactly. thing they showed, that would be a disappointing show. Yeah, well, and so Fist, I really liked um, Moss too. Obviously, I, I bought one, and I, I want to get Moss too once I get the uh, arcade set or uh, VR. Sifu, I thought was pretty cool. I mean, honestly, Sifu looks dope. The concept of like your character getting older in a beat 'em up every time he gets KO'd is actually pretty cool. Um, I didn't see what t- when what age you start at with this, but it's a really cool concept. I a think baby. It, a, wait, what? <laughs> yeah, right. Start off as a baby crawling into a room, and if you could kill the first enemy, right, you can't kill them because they just punt you in the face. It's like now you're five. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'd be pretty interesting. Uh, or it starts off like the American Dream, and a baby has guns, <laughs> so you just happen to be able to go through the whole game with guns. Uh, yeah, I thought that was a pretty cool concept. Arcade get in didn't look good. Um, what was the other one? I mean, we saw, uh, what is it, Last Judgment, so the sequel, I guess, to Judgment. Uh, that looked interesting, but, you know, again, to your point, not groundbreaking, not anything super crazy. I think Demon Slayer looks pretty good. It does. They've done such a good job with bringing that anime art style to games now. Like, the new uh, Guilty Gear game that just came out looks so good, and I mean... Uh, Dragon Ball Fighters from a few years ago looked great. I'm pretty sure that Kakarot game looked pretty good. Like the fact that they could just make those games look so good makes me want to check Demon Slayer out at least a little bit. I do love that show, and I saw the movie, and the movie was great too. Yeah, so you'd probably like the game, uh, but don't get it until you beat Mario Odyssey. Yeah. Um, and then there was that arena. Which one was it? The Demon Arena thing that's on like Steam. That one's on Steam. Uh, but basically it's like a Hunter's bat- Arena Legends. Yeah. It looks cool, but as soon as I was like, oh, this is just a Steam game getting ported, not interested anymore. Well, so it's like Battle Royale Dark Souls with like enemies attacking you at the same time, like the demons attacking you. 
so it's a cool concept like I, overall i thought it was pretty interesting but it's just it's your point it's not grabbing me it's not something that i'm going to like put everything down it's not new play. either yeah yeah Most exactly of the, it's, it's not new it's like death loop yeah death loop looks cool the more i see of death loop the more interested in it i actually kind of am but the more i feel like I understand what's going to be going on and everything. Like, there's no... I feel like I've seen this game to death already. Yeah, we have. It'd like, be like seeing, what is it, uh, uh, Ghost of Tokyo or Ghostwire? Ghostwire Ghost Tokyo. Tokyo. Like, I'd like to see more of that because I have no idea what's happening in that game. The first trailer I saw for that looked great. The second trailer I saw for that, I was like, okay, now that I see what this gameplay kind of looks like, I'm not as interested. And... I haven't seen anything. That was like last year. Yeah. I mean, we haven't seen a whole lot of that game. To your point, Deathloop. Every single time I see Deathloop, I'm like, eh, it's not. Yeah. doesn't catch my interest. So, you know, and some people, I mean, we're not excited for it, but there's some people out there that might be, and they may be looking forward to this game and really want to play it. But I've kind of stopped, you know, I try to not buy games before they come out, but I always do for some stupid reason, uh, like pre-orders and whatnot. So Biomutant, I think, is the most recent slap to the face I've received yeah. by buying a new game. And I'm, it's one of those things, right? You're damned if you do, damned if you don't, especially when you pre-order. Because, I mean, I could pre-order a special edition and it comes out and it's hot garbage. So I may continue pre-ordering games in that respect and then wait for the review and then just get my refund. Yeah. <laughs> like, I might have to start doing that because I'm, I'm extremely frustrated with a lot of these new titles. And I haven't been excited for a lot of games coming out, um, you know. And the ones that I am excited about, I'm just kind of like, uh, I don't. I would be you know, I'm hesitant. I would be like 80 percent more excited for this list of games if these were on Game Pass, and yeah. I could just try them out. And it wasn't like, oh, that looks interesting. Is it worth 60 to 70 dollars to see if it pans out well for me or not? Yeah, I totally see where you're coming from. Yeah. Well, I not that great. Sony needs to step it up. Like they're they're in the driver's seat for this generation. Like everybody's here waiting for them. But like if they keep taking too long, I mean, I was just watching uh, somebody the other day talking about there's like there's only like six PS5 exclusive games, mm -hmm. and none of them are like groundbreaking. Like Ratchet and Clank is like the new hot thing they came out and i thought that was going to be a launch title and it's like until they start committing to having awesome games on here like well i'm just not here for it and i guess there's no exclusive xbox games there's no game for the series that like is just not on, on xbox one also yeah or p or pc yeah in, in comparison uh and you know back to arcade getting you know we had talked about a while back we had referenced that sony has something like 16 or 20 new IPs that they're working on. Yeah. I'm remembering now as I was watching that trailer this morning for Arcade Get in that uh, it said new IP. So if this is one of one the out of 16, yeah, now we right. got to see what all the other reveals are and hope they are stack up better. Yeah. Cause that just does not look that great. And if you're excited for it, great, but yeah, we're not. Excited. If one of them is a new Sony IP bejewel clone, <laughs> exclusive day, for ps5 day one and special edition copy of a giant random jewel <laughs> that'd be pretty interesting uh but yeah so let us know what you think about the state of play and whatever sony has revealed this go around uh i think the most the most excitement i've had is for fist and uh, moss too
on that. That's kind of where I stand. And and Sifu, to an extent. Uh, you know, also, dude, it might just be that we've just gotten to a point in our age where we've seen so many of these different games over the years that we're really kind of fishing for that real different experience uh, compared to what we've seen. And that's why, like, I look at remasters and stuff. I'm like, eh, you know, it's a remaster or whatever. Like, you know, I, I've got it on PlayStation 1 or whatever. Like, I don't care to replay that game. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chrono Cross is a different story. Um, but there's a lot of remasters coming out where we're kind of just like, eh, it's all right. There's a lot of games that were are HD upgrades from, like, the last generation. It's like, whatever. Uh, new games that are coming out that kind of just rehash the exact same type of experience. So I think we're maybe we're getting at a point in our age where we just keep seeing these things. We're like, what is the, like the difference in what I've already experienced in the past. You know, what is not a rehash of prior games? And uh, I guess we're waiting for that. Yeah. Well, and it's like sometimes we get so focused in on like, oh, man, another Call of Duty. Oh, another, uh, I mean, even like another God of War or whatever. But it's like you hear, oh, 16 new IPs, maybe some new stuff. And then it's like, oh, wait, no, it's just... The same genre, but just a different skin. It's just Fortnite, but with Osmosis Jones-looking people. Yeah, and like, I, it's, it's not funny. really new. And it's funny I say this, but like you know, because I've been playing a lot of Apex, Apex Legends since you know sometime last year. But Apex, in my opinion, is a little different um, in what I've experienced, which is why I play it more. So right, like I don't play Warzone. Because Warzone is just more Call of Duty. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's why I'm not playing that. Fortnite, yeah, it's a different experience, but I'm not interested in Fortnite. I don't like a lot of, you know, I guess the age group that I would have to play with in Fortnite is a little younger than what I'm used to. Apex seems a little bit older. I just in I can't imagine trying to play Apex Legends and Minecraft at the same time in one game on a controller. That just seems like too much game. Yeah, I, <laughs> that's yeah. what Fortnite is. Like, yeah, it's, it's too much chaos. Yeah, that's pretty much kind of. I what always it forget works. about the building portion because I've never played like an shooter builder. Well, and that's what kind of gets me right is like you have these people that are like tearing things down and uh, building up like buildings and walls and everything else in the middle of combat while getting shot. It's just way too much going on that I just don't care for it. Uh, you're right. Like it's pretty much Minecraft and a shooter at the same time. So yeah, Apex is a little different for me with the shield components and the special abilities. Like there's just enough difference in you know what's going on that I enjoy it. So yeah, but let us know what you think. Uh, let's go ahead and jump into the inflation deflation of this week. Uh, Gunsmoke, you uh, got it, partner. <laughs> it was developed by Capcom. Uh, published by Romstar, uh, funny enough, the name Romstar in North America, uh, designed by Yoshiki Akamoto, right? Did I get that right? Akamoto? Sure. Uh, released in October of uh, 1996, it looks like. Uh, and Oh, sorry. Yeah, 85. You- why did I put 96? 90- <laughs> Why did you put, did 90- I put 96? He does it again, folks. He has screwed me over again. Uh, God, Ryan. He does this on purpose, I swear. Yeah, I was looking at 96. I'm like, that's not right at all. Okay, we'll say 85 because Ryan is messed up. Is it 85, Ryan? Yeah. It's 85. October of 85. Where was your mind on 96? I don't know. Okay, screw me over. Does this all the time. Uh, Game type is a uh, run-and-gun shooter, and it is a Western style. And a reception upon release, it was uh, one of the most popular arcade games in Japan. And I think we could see why after that. So... 
we got a lot further than I did in the past, uh, several levels through. Probably could have gone a little bit further, but uh, the NES was acting up on the contacts on those pins, so I got to clean that bad boy up. But uh, I mean, this is what you would expect, kind of like this top-down shooter in a, in a way where you have different enemies kind of firing at you uh, from the top down, of course, uh, and you pick up various weapons along the way. So you've got options for like a shotgun, machine gun, pistols, uh, magnum, a smart bomb, which we actually never, um, you know, picked up at, at any point. And your overall goal is like to collect, ah, to collect, to com- to collect cash uh, as you're going through in various weapon pickups. Uh, to try and fight a boss who is wanted at the end of a level. Uh, it does go for quite a bit, but as you're collecting cash, you have you know you can purchase a shotgun along the way for like six thousand, a machine gun for fifteen thousand, I believe it was, uh, wanted poster, which I believe at that point triggers the enemy or the boss to come out. Uh, you can buy a horse for twenty thousand. So uh, you just get these various items and boosts along the way while you collect cash, and with the end result of, you know, of course, trying to survive various bullets coming your way and enemies kind of coming from all directions, uh, from actual buildings to directly in front of you to jumping off of buildings in front of you, and just kind of making your way through the streets of this western area until you get to the boss. And I gotta say, man, uh, it's been a while since I played that game, but it is just as good as I remembered it last time. Definitely enjoyed uh, every aspect of it. The happy music, uh, the actual controls are pretty phenomenal uh, for an NES game, in my opinion. And uh, it's you know just super easy to to overall control with the the shooting direction and such. So both buttons to fire straight, which we discovered later on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, using B to fire to the left, A to fire to the right, uh, and then the controls just it just moves very nicely, and the visuals are there for sure. So I'm very high on this game. I can tell you that particular copy. I remember exactly when I picked that copy of that game up. So I was uh, walking around the flea market. I used to walk. It was 1996. It was was fresh off the presses. (laughs) You're gonna kill me, dude. So it was probably about I would say more like 2013, roughly in that in that range, Uh, or 2000. No, 2013, 2014, around that area. And I remember in that particular flea market, there were a number of like uh, people I would sell specifically at the flea market. So they would literally walk around the flea market, pick up a bunch of crap from other people, go to their own booth and set it up with new labels and sell it at retail. So it was just right on the spot. Like it could be right across from them. They would pick something up and throw it under a table for full price right off the bat. They didn't care. And so I remember there was this one guy that always ran around. It was like competition in a sense, right? He was always running around trying to get stuff. So when I saw him at the flea market, I would make sure to pace myself ahead of him uh, to be able to get the stuff quicker. Um, and he never really caught on, I guess, because I, I got a he lot of... He was too busy hunting for deals. He was too busy, like, talking to other stuff, like, picking up random things. He primarily focused on video games, but if he saw, like, comics or toys, um, he would start digging through them and looking through all of that, so it kind of distracted him. I would pay attention to toys, but unless it was something that, like, really caught my attention, because we also dealt with that at the game store I worked at, um, I usually wouldn't grab it. I'd pick up comics occasionally at Magic, but... Uh, In this particular instance, I walked up to a table where they had a stack of Nintendo games. And when I asked the guy, like, hey, what do you want? He was like, oh, uh, 20 bucks. And I saw Gunsmoke on the top. I'm like, yep, here's 20 bucks. And I saw gold cartridges as well, which were my two Zelda carts. And uh, I picked those up, was going through them, had already handed him 20 bucks. And I waited (laughs) until this reseller came up. And I just kind of had the game stacked there. And uh, he walks up and his eyes just open. And he's reaching to pick it up. I'm like, nope. And I grabbed it and I walked away. And uh, the look on his face, dude, when like 
just seeing like this stack of like Zelda and yeah. Gunsmoke, and like he knew right off the bat the Zelda carts, which is what caught his eye. And just like, no, nope, I already paid the man. Walked away. <laughs> it was so good. Uh, but yeah, man, I think that was a good day. I remember that day clearly, and there was a lot of pickups. I'll have to find some pictures of that particular day. So you you had your own bounty that day. Oh, dude, it was fantastic. Dude, that, you guys had a showdown. I picked up so much stuff from that flea market. Like I picked up my Conkers uh, for twenty bucks from a resale shop actually that was in the market there. Like they were on the interior, it had an inside booth, and all of their stuff is usually priced well above retail. Um, but the mom that worked there had no idea what the prices were. Uh, the son did. And so I went ahead and like pulled out 20 bucks as fast as I could, um, like paid the, the ATM fee and whatnot. I was that desperate, paid the mom right away and in a resale shop, picked it up for 20 bucks. And the son just kind of looked as I handed over just one $20 bill and looked at me and I walked out no. and like, it was just that moment in time where he was just like, oh shit, like really? We just sold that. And it John, was wheeling bucks. and dealing. Dude, it was 60 bucks at that time. So uh, you know, he he did the same thing. He'd go around in the morning before he opened. He'd poach whatever games he could and bring them into his own shop. So those types of guys at that market absolutely hated me. Um, in fact, I, I know for a fact that uh, our old co-host on here would tell me that those people were super angry whenever uh, I came by and they saw me at the market that day. I remember that, hearing those tales. Yeah, they always hated it. So, yeah, I, I got a lot of deals at that place, dude. I'd say a good you know, chunk of my game collection came from that flea market and out here. I've picked up a lot too, but not nearly as much as there, but overall, what are your thoughts on Gunsmoke? I thought it was great. I thought it was super fun. I want to play it on an arcade machine with some big clacky buttons and my hand on a, on a joist, like, you know, stick. Yeah. Arcade joystick. Mm -hmm. I think this game was awesome. Uh, when I was watching you play, cause you're, you start off with, like dual pistols for your main gun and you shoot at a diagonal and you've got two shots that go at that diagonal angle a little bit apart so you kind of have a little bit of spread to try to work your magic and kill some dudes um and at first i was like i thought it was tied to your movement yeah i didn't realize that you had two buttons and one would make you shoot one direction one would make you shoot the other yeah and then the different types of guns you get, the shotgun has like a wider spread. The machine gun just shoots more bullets. Uh, the Magnum, I think, is like an insta-kill because like there's this one like jumping guys that throw knives that like take too many bullets to really kill to be worth it. But the Magnum seems to knock them out pretty dead. Uh, if you die, you lose one, like whatever gun you had like equipped at that time, but you get to keep the other ones that you had purchased up to that point. Um... You like you, John was saying. There's a bunch of stuff you could buy at the shop, but the more stuff you buy at the shop, the more it seems like you have to keep playing through the loop of the level to acquire enough money to eventually be able to buy the wanted posters so that you can kill the boss and move on to the next level. That's a cool mechanic. Um, I really did enjoy this game, and I would love to play it in an arcade and play more of it in the future. Um, Brass tacks. This is an affordable game. Mm -hmm. This game is like, 
hold on. I closed my laptop for some reason. <laughs> uh, uh, I've got it here, man. Go so ahead. complete in box, you're looking at fifty nine seventy five, which for a complete in box copy is actually really good. Uh, peaked at one fifty in July of twenty fourteen. It's trending downward on that, and in a loose copy right now is going to run you nineteen ninety nine. Uh, that peaked at twenty four dollars in March of twenty twenty one, so not too long ago, and that one's also trending down. So it stayed pretty on par at that twenty dollar range uh, for a while now, and. You know, I'd have to say at this price point, dude, uh, I would say it's actually deflated at this price point. I think for, you know, what you're getting in this game and the types of games that are out there in the market on the Nintendo, uh, this is this is right up there with some of the best of them. And uh, I think it's definitely overlooked. Uh, so I'm going to have to say it's deflated, dude. I, I, I would pay 25 bucks for this game if I saw it. Yeah, there are several different box arts out there. I'm not exactly sure which one is which. Uh, some of them definitely look more worth a high price tag than the others. Um, so I don't know if I'm going to go in the cool box art worth more money route with this one. Because for the most part, NES games are fine to just have. You don't need a box for an NES game. Uh, yeah, 20 bucks, steal. I'd buy it. I don't even have an NES. I'd buy this for 20 bucks. <laughs> so you're on deflated as well for this yeah. one? Yeah. Good deal. I agree. Uh, so yeah, definitely, if you haven't checked out Gunsmoke, definitely check it out. Uh, I think you'll enjoy it, uh, especially if you're in that kind of like top-down shooter uh, style of game. And uh, it's got enough going for it uh, that it is definitely fun. Uh, so we should probably mark our rating down on there uh, on your laptop as deflated for whenever the hell we decide to um, update our website. <laughs> Uh, but that being said, next week, dude, uh, should be pretty fun. We're going to play some Gex 64 and with my new Brawler 64 controller. And I think that should be a lot of fun. That, that game is one that I, I never have actually played. I played on the Game Boy. I played uh, it on the ago. PlayStation. You play on PlayStation? Yeah, I play on Game Boy I Color. I think it was game Enter Boy. the Gecko. Yeah, I, actually, I think it was Enter the Gecko on Game Boy, wasn't it? I don't remember. Uh, either way. I played it on Game Boy. You played it on PlayStation. We've never played on the N64. Uh, it should be pretty fun to hear those Gex references. And we'll work on our one-liners. Yeah, we'll work on some one-liners uh, next week on that one. Um, and then uh, next week, I'll give you a little sneak peek. We're going to be chatting about the N64 controller and why it's stupid, in my opinion. Maybe Ryan will talk about why he likes it. We'll I see. do. I do like the N64 yeah. controller. So conflicting opinions next week on the Game Slaters episode 140. Uh, but... All of this being said, find us on social media again at The Game Deflators on Facebook and Instagram, at Game Deflators on Twitter. Find us on YouTube for old outdated videos that we have not updated. Uh, find us on TheGameDeflators.com and, of course, listen to us on your favorite podcast application. Uh, this has been episode 139. My name is John. I'm Ryan. He had a long pause there, but thanks for listening.